0: Welcome to Living Being, I'm Patrick Randall Hi, I'm Chris Park This is the podcast where we talk about everything and anything to do with bees Today's episode, uh, we're talking to Dr. Jerry Bryley. Jerry's an enthusiast and ambassador of apitherapy, uh, which we'll talk about um, later on in the program. Anyway, it's a wonderful interview. Uh, but in the meantime, Chris, what have you been up to? Any any bee moments? Yes, the bees are working hard. I mean, it's, it's been overcast and cloudy, and
1: you know, a bit windy. So it's not a really hot summer, but they're still at it. You know, still out every day. You know, and early as well and coming back yeah. late. And they're, they're, there's a whole field of white clover with some, some mignonette in it and some teasels and a, and a few thistles down the bottom hedge. And they're just having a great time on there at the moment. It's really nice to see. And I've been collecting a bit of pollen in a pollen trap and well, yeah. most of that yeah yeah it's really tasty the kids love it it's really so nutritious and so good especially for teenagers you know who who can suddenly have a really bad diet and not get much exercise and and, and all sorts yeah, of problems going arise from that but but so pollen is really good for the kids and i've been collecting the pollen they're bringing in at the moment it seems to be mainly uh blackberry bramble pollen This c co- it's like a gray color yeah, and so the the pollen trap the tray is just full of that, and you might get a couple of orange bits in there, and the kids love it. You know, it's quite sweet and tangy, and yeah. I like it too, obviously. And so that that's uh, that's what's been going on this week.
0: Yeah, it? I've just ordered I've just ordered a pollen trap. I should have I should be making my own, shouldn't I? But um, I uh, <laughs> so, so yeah. sometimes you just run out of time to 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 make to make all these things. So uh, I've ordered one. Looking forward to to uh, sampling a bit of pollen as well. And yeah, uh, yeah. no, noticed the bees have been on poppies in in our in our garden. There's still poppies around, aren't they? I'm wondering whether they'll be bringing in because that's sort of very black yeah, pollen, isn't it? It's
1: very black, yeah, very noticeable. Yeah, we had a yeah.
0: a poppy honey uh,
1: a few years ago. Yeah, during the during the June gap, we were surrounded by uh, fields of grain and the, the organic fields. So the 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 grain was also full of wildflowers. and one field was just red, completely red. And they were bringing in so much of the, of the poppy pollen, and we we reckoned that we had a poppy honey, had a very distinctive taste.
0: Oh, amazing! Yeah, amazing. Yeah. No, I I had I've um have I had a bemo I've I've been reading this book actually by um Jurgen Tautz. Oh, yeah. um called the buzz about bees have you read that one i haven't i've been recommended it so many times yeah I've got,
1: you know i've got so, so many bee books i'm ho- halfway through <laughs> if you know what i
0: mean yeah yeah well i'm on I, i'm I'm a little way through and um yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit like i mean i'm picking i'm picking it up and putting it down i can't but there's a really interesting bit about um the fact that we we see the, the bees as we we talk about the bees as being a super organism just being this one so like a sort of one being together you know that that's how they work yeah. um mm-hmm. cooperatively but mm-hmm. he points out that actually um from observation of uh of bees in the hive they've noticed that um some are lazier than others <laughs> yeah. so they have they have their own characteristics in the sense that um i'll just read a little bit it says um, there are lady there are lazy foragers that are content with a mediocre um forage And there are also true honeybee workaholics that achieve 10 or more foraging flights per day. Um, The different personalities of the apparently identical members of a colony are revealed only after long-term observation of their behavior. But what he then goes on to point out is that this laziness versus proliferate uh, workaholicism, whatever that's a word, Mm -hmm. um, is actually... uh, it, it is actually really advantageous to how they work because because there are bees at the hive who aren't actually doing anything but are ready to forage if needed mm-hmm. um it means the promotion aspect of the foraging bees coming back you know there's actually bees at the hive to to encourage to go out to the forage if they were yeah, all out recruit. for if, mm-hmm. to recruit exactly so if if they were all out foraging you know you just you'd get a a situation where um, it it would probably be a a little bit um, more chaotic and they wouldn't be so effective. But the fact that a third Mm -hmm, of the colony, mm -hmm. a third Mm -hmm. of the colony can be promoted at any one time to go out and on mass if needed to, um, you know, to go and forage on something, something incredible. Fascinating. So I thought it was really interesting.
1: So there's no no value judgment there about who's, who's the kind of pioneer forage uh, fantastic hunter and who's, kind of at home um having that kind of uh holding fort and whatever and yeah yeah exactly
0: yeah yeah but um anyway um without further ado um we'll go over to the interview with um with jerry and uh jerry's a lovely person she's so warm and so um she's so generous with her information and um she she sees herself as a as i said before an ambassador of of apotherapy um and uh She's also a writer, actually. She's written a book called uh, The Secrets of Hope the Honeybee. And that's available on Amazon. Um, and she she actually treated us to a little excerpt of that after the interview. So uh, listen out for that at the end. So um here we go over to Jerry. Hi Jerry, how are you?
2: I'm good. How are you, Chris?
1: I'm really well, thanks, yes. Yeah, really good, thank
0: you. Jerry. just checking you're in record, is that...
2: Yeah, I've just double-checked it again, and it seems to be going okay.
0: Great, lovely. Thanks so much for um, talking to us on uh, Living Being. You kind of class
1: yourself as an accidental apotherapist through your own story of having Lyme disease. I would love to hear more about that.
2: Yes um well my journey began a long time ago with um being bitten by ticks in in the Surrey hills uh, quite locally and some people think well that's odd you know how could you get these sort of yeah. um exotic diseases as they call them i wouldn't say exotic but uh, that's how they might be described by some doctors um thankfully um the medical profession is waking up now to to this um but i was um bitten by had a number of ticks attached to myself and it was that started around 2006 now it wasn't till 2013 when i was diagnosed and that wasn't by the nhs i was turned away by the nhs on many many occasions um and i what i found was i went to a private clinic and i got tested uh, correctly and it was found that i didn't just have lyme disease i had something called Ehrlichia babesia which is the cousin of malaria bartonella which makes you go psychotic it affects the brain very badly and mycoplasma now i was given three years of antibiotic treatment um it was too little too late intravenously uh, delivered as well very high doses um and what happened was I'd been doing a lot of research during that time, I should say, I was working on my PhD. Um, I'd suffered uh, some severe neurological problems to the point where I couldn't even remember my own name, let alone my PhD work. So I had to put my PhD on hold and nearly lost that opportunity. And I could see that opportunity disappearing in front of my eyes and there was nothing I could do about it. I didn't yeah. understand my work. I couldn't remember it. And and then something happened. Um, I was on social media, in fact, Facebook, looking at lots of research. And I met this woman called Nancy. Um, and uh, Nancy had gone through pretty much what I'd gone through. Only she'd spent $1.3 million on treatment. And I'd spent about £40,000 on treatment what kind answer, of treatments were you
1: were you uh, getting
2: so i was getting antibiotics i okay. also yeah. um used a lot of other um i used herbs i used yeah uh, i went to another doctor and i had intravenous ozone um which had been shown in america to work quite well um and i even bought my own ozone machine you know wow. I, I was yeah, <laughs> yeah. so an oxygen canister the whole lot you know i was doing this so you tried myself, everything so. then
1: you tried everything oh you could. god
2: i went i yeah i literally i just no stone unturned you know yeah. i'm a, yeah. from my phd and my my work you know that's the rule no leave no stone unturned so i okay. applied what was that your phd so completely different. So it was in how um, subconscious marketing techniques can go below the radar of consumer regulations. Fascinating, so, yes,
1: fascinating.
2: so it was all about neuroscience and how the brain works and how we... Um, Impulse by. And so it was interesting because my, my brain had failed. But the thing was that I understood that my neocortex and my limbic system was all out of kilter and I just couldn't function. So I understood what was going on. I just couldn't do anything about it, you know. (laughs) So it was, it was a bizarre situation. So I found this lady called Nancy. I'd known her for a while, to be fair, and and been following her story. Yeah. yeah. And um, she had a port in her her chest, you know, accepting direct uh, um, antibiotics into the system. She was very sick. Now, she had the the similar sort of situation with Lyme disease, Babesia, Bartonella, you know, these terrible fevers, drenching fevers, confusion, Mm -hmm. and limb pain. And one day I went onto social media, and Nancy had put a, a photograph up and I thought she'd been run over by a bus. Um, and, and she had all these lumps on her back. And I uh-huh, thought, uh-huh. Well, what's yeah, she yeah. been doing? And she'd been treating herself with bee venom. And at that point in time, I said, you're crazy. You're crazy. What, what mm-hmm, are you doing? Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about this? And I thought, well, I'll never have to go through that. And Nancy's shared with me a paper it was an old paper from the 90s yeah. and it showed how this melaton had attacked the causative agent of Lyme disease this yeah, spirochete yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. called the spirochete and essentially had yeah. skinned it alive and I was really excited by that uh-huh. uh, and yeah I thought aha interesting so I started to look round the UK and I couldn't find any apitherapists or apitherapists uh, to, to, to sting, <laughs> yeah. to sting me. And I wasn't a beekeeper. I knew nothing about bees. Right. So, um, the British Beekeeping Association, I found, um, the, uh, one of the past national chair, chair people, um, yeah. had, uh, or president, I should say, not, not yeah, chair person. Yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. I think he was president. Who was that? And, um, that was Peter Dolby and right. Barbara Dolby oh, yes, and, yes, 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 um, yeah. mm-hmm. and I'm actually speaking alongside Barbara um, later this year um, at, a, at a major Great. conference up in, in the Midlands. Now um, they, had, so, they
1: had set up a, an apitherapy association in Britain hadn't they at one point.
2: They did indeed, and I think there were some legal issues. You know, you mentioned Wikipedia, so yeah. this, um, this attitude. And I think for, for them it was uh, a little bit too much pressure. Other yeah. countries, other countries, Romania, um, you name it, all over the world, yeah, not yeah. the UK. So there was a lot of pressure um, that you could effectively, if you sting someone, you could be, it could be a case of um, actual bodily harm or grievous bodily harm yeah. at the, yeah. at the, if, if they were to go into anaphylactic shock. Of course. So so I went up and visited them. They had a lawyer present. We had to sign um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, a waiver. Yeah we they were not going to sting us we had to bring take someone along a bee buddy to sting us uh-huh. so i went up yeah uh-huh so i um i took someone with me i took my first sting, which is called envenomation so this is a test sting and this sting is placed and then it's removed very quickly and then you wait yeah.
1: and with all the and steroids wa- uh, and and other medicines uh, present just in case you did have a bad reaction I imagine.
2: yeah yeah i forgot to mention that so they said it was it was important and you were not allowed to attend unless you to prove you had an a- 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 epipen. epi pen sorry yeah. a- a- <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> <laughs> for he didn't slip uh, so uh the epi pen and they had to they um they they looked at those and checked that they were functional because you can buy buy Ones that aren't that are, don't contain the the, oh, like the practice ones, steroid, yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. practice ones. That's it, yeah. Um, so the next sting, and I thought that sting wasn't too bad, you know, all in all. Yeah. And I yeah. looked, and, and I barely had a reaction. Mm-hmm. And I now know that that was called energy. So energy meaning your immune system is just not recognising it, and yeah. you, you, your immune system is just not working. So I took the next thing, which was on my lower back, and Mm -hmm. boy, did that hurt. It really did hurt. Mm -hmm. And so um, Peter sent us away with a little box of these and some uh, reverse clamping tweezers. Yep. um, And I drove round the M25 home. And I remember the drive home, and my eyes began to clear. And I became quite loose, you know, quite Clear and I could drive properly, um, which sounds terrible because uh, I shouldn't have probably driven there in the first place. But um, and and I got home and and then I waited uh, an- another day, gave it another day, and then I took my little bee box out. I got my reverse clamping tweezers. I got a, a mirror, a mirror in front and a mirror behind, and I put my <laughs> first sting about two inches uh, either side of my spine. And um, I started every time I stung every other day, um, I used to sting two stings to start off with uh, three times a week, then ramping up to 10 stings, which took a long, long time. Yeah. So over this period, I took around four and a half thousand stings over three years.
1: Yep um that's a lot of bees
2: that's a lot of bees <laughs> how, how, and the do, thi- how do you
1: think uh if someone's listening and they're thinking oh gosh that's <laughs> a lot of dead bees a lot of bees that have given their life and their venom uh, uh up you know uh, how, how how would you I mean obviously you you were in dire straits and, and having an awful time and how do how would you reassure someone or how would you uh what would you say to someone who who, who would think oh that's the bees didn't volunteer their lives yeah, for that therapy yeah what would now, you say now some
2: i have to say that in some cases in ethiopia and other areas in the middle east they literally will put themselves out there with the bees and let the bees decide how they sting That's them, right. and, you know <laughs> give give them yeah. the choice yeah, a, they actually do that well. yeah. um yeah, yeah. But in my case, um, I felt, uh, you know, have felt a responsibility. You know, they've saved my life and so yeah, yeah. I'm saving their lives. So I have seven colonies now. So I'm putting millions of bees out there. And, so so it's um, like
1: payback. You feel so grateful. payback, and, and now you're, you're a champion of, absolutely, of bees. Absolutely.
2: And I'm absolutely a champion. And I can tell you that the people in America, the tens of thousands of people that are using bee venom, the awareness is incredible as to their healing properties. And people are so, um. and many, many people I know have become beekeepers because of this. Uh, And I was beekeeping, so this was May 2015 when I took my first sting. My brain was so bad, I was on sticks, I could barely walk. And I I'd managed to get on a, um, a taster session on a beekeeping course in June. That was one month and I could barely walk and I'd started to walk again. And um, so I went to this taster session and I was so calm around the bees and people couldn't understand how much I knew about bees because I'd been observing all sorts of things about the bees because I lived up close and personal with them. So I kind of knew them and I knew their behavior um, so i i've got my first nuke which is a, a a very tiny colony a young colony of bees with a new queen um and i took that home and i was so excited that i got another one <laughs> in august
1: yeah you once um, you start you soon expand don't you, you yeah you a a... <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um on it went and, and that's, that's when the, the the big learning started so um i then started to look at well, you know, if this bee venom, what what's in it, and started to research uh, all the scientific and clinical evidence, and I was keeping a, an eye on what was going on out there in the scientific community, and started yeah, yeah. to look at other other bee products. Um, so, no, I so, know it all so sounds you, do you very now, crazy. Do you now
1: offer apitherapy to the world and to your family and community and friends? Do you, is that something you offer as a as a practice?
2: Um, i i don 't practice myself um, I do uh, inform people because yeah. uh, back to uh peter and uh, and barbara i can 't okay
1: I see. Yep. sting yep. can 't
2: sting people, but the interesting side of this is is that there is an injectable form of bee venom yeah. Um, yeah. which can be it 's produced by various labs around the world uh, two key labs actually one in one particular in Sweden. Um, so you, you can buy um, uh, injectable bee venom yeah. without and it could be it could be being dried being and into,
1: become a powder and all sorts of yeah, ways you can exactly. use it, and it it can be put into creams and and Absolutely. and used in many different products. So the but I mean back to Peter and and Barbara who I, I suppose keep themselves under the radar a bit and it, and as you rightly said earlier it's it's so popular in many other countries and um, but in Britain it's just. Uh, it's, you you'll find it hard to go and, and and get some bee venom therapy from someone and and, and I don't know I'd imagine I'd, I've always imagined that if uh, if it was going to kind of raise its profile in Britain then it would be as an as a kind of addition to someone's medical practice you know like a GP or someone who's already got a medical practice that would sort of add it onto their their practice because they have all the insurance and validity and all all those, all those, all the trust and and, and everything that 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 medical professionals have grown to uh, and to inhabit in in this country. It's a bit Uh, like um um,
0: bit like acupuncture in a sense, isn't it? That that, uh, acupuncture Mm was, you know, not always seen as a a mainstream um, medicine in this country. And now there it is actually recommended in parts of the, you know, parts of the NHS. And maybe that, maybe that's something yeah, that, similar. maybe that's something that b did. Yeah, and
2: that's, uh, and that's a significant point because B-Venom therapy, known as BVT for short, is also, was also known as apipuncture. And it was thought to be the first um, acupuncture needle used by the Egyptians. So they were using B-Venom in that form um, as, as a needle and then providing this... Um, this highly antibacterial antiviral um, venom into the system so it, it has been around for years and I have um, spoken to uh, a chap in Romania about setting up an apitherapy society here um, and one of the con- and the conditions around that is that you must have a medical doctor or two on the board you know on, on the board of the organization yeah. so this it is a very important point that you raise that the medical community need to embrace it and currently it's only embraced for desensitization for people who are allergic to bees yes, sort of immunotherapy,
1: um, uh, yes exactly which is uh, which could be an, another way that bee venom therapy could uh, become established in the uk perhaps those folks it's, that are all, that are already administering uh, bee venom for that for people who are allergic and want to become um, less allergic.
2: It's a, it's a, a route of opportunity for sure, and I'm sure that as as we progress. Um... With all these scientific findings that there, there must be at some point you know they, they were looking at something called AP one three seven which was found in honeybees, hornets, and wasps. Now I know beekeepers don 't like hornets and wasps, but i don 't kill them because they 're important pollinators, and because this um, potential for antibiotic is being found in in all three of these insects, so um, you know there are there are uh, patents and there is work going on out there. I I guess it's about um clinical trials and, and, and this long protracted process that yes. they go through. Uh, and, I mean,
1: and these trials have been done abroad, haven't they? But but in, again in, in Britain they, they haven't. And you know, they they there have um so much research and, and papers have come from as you said you know, Romania, Russia, China, um a bit in yes. Canada and a bit in America now. Uh, and much of of the rest of the world but not this country and it seems it seems a shame yeah, somehow
2: it's uh, you know I mean look the, the Mexicans are almost every state in Mexico has um, a, a, an apotherapy or sting clinics as they call them um, and 60% of Mexicans have reported to be using a, some form of a bee product to, yeah. to help their ailments so yeah. this isn't this isn't something new it's not something weird and wacky people can die from it though in, in
1: 2018 in Spain: A woman died, which which kind of hit the press and, and the UK press quite, quite quite hard, and and she yeah. she'd been undergoing it for for quite a quite a long time, and then without any warning, suddenly had an anaphylactic shock, and they they just didn't have the uh, the EpiPen uh, readily available, and sadly she died yeah. later on in Hospital from organ failure so that so that kind of that yeah, kind of press
2: it's um
1: yeah. it's not helpful <laughs> is it at all but but uh
2: and 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 look you know that that's that is interesting and it's very sad yeah. um you can't really say how many um you, you know it, just because you're you 're okay one week, you might not be the next week you know um it is it is risky you know and i'm not suggesting anyone goes out and does this i'm not yeah, suggesting yeah. that i I'm, I'm saying this is what worked for me yeah, yeah, now there exactly. ha- there has been some work i think it was in 2017 uh, where they found that they could remove the major allergens um from bee venom to create a form of acupuncture treatment. Now, I haven't heard much more about that study, but they did um, manage to do that. The challenge is um, that it's a paradox. For every, melatonin is hugely curative, but it also is a major allergen. Uh, So there are some compounds within bee venom that show um, amazing results, but also, you know, it can cure, it can kill. So it's a very important point. Some, you know, some
1: apitherapists are liken it to a scalpel don't they so it's it, uh if in the right hands in a skilled and knowledgeable hands it can it can work miracles but uh but it can also um be very uh can cause a lot of misadventure and awful things but bee venom is is just like the hard apitherapy if you like the kind of the kind of spiky end of apitherapy yeah, and, it's, and it's, it's not that yeah. common especially in the uk uh, and so there there are all many other bee products and uh that That atherapists use and that, that many people can benefit from on an everyday sort of prophylactic but also yeah, curative absolutely. curative basis it's not just absolutely. they're not just adjuvants or, or, or um or you know complementary medicine it can also be, be be curative in its own right we, we, do, and, and of course, you, you teach that too.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do talks all over the all over the country on this subject to to anyone who wants to listen. Really, um, mainly beekeeping associations, for anyone who wants to listen. And there are other products now. The well, the one that I think the most that I see the most research on is, in fact, propolis. And I think scientists really like propolis because so far they've not there's not been any reported side effects there have been some contraindications as there would be with many bee products because bee products tend to be blood thinners so if you're on any blood thinning medication you know you need to check with gps you know professionals before you, before you
1: try these things yeah. and you can develop an allergy you can't you a propolis i think about 2% of people can can do that
0: jerry could you just explain um, what propolis is
2: so Acropolis is this wonderful, sappy, gluey material that you see when you walk past a tree or a plant and it's generally the, um, the, say for example, the tree's immune response to a a wound Um, and that's the way I think about it and the bees will collect this sticky glue and they'll bring it back and they're often in this country, the poplar tree is, is popular uh, in other countries, we can have um, uh, something called the baccharis, uh, these shrubs in, in 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 Brazil, for example. So the forage—it depends on the forage where they collect this this lovely sap. And what they do is they take it back to the hive and they mix it with their saliva, and they use it to um, to plug holes and, and 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 create a strong structure for the beehive. But most importantly, it's like our disinfectant, so they use it as um against disease as well. So it protects the bees from solar radiation, fungal, bacteria, viruses, um and and, and it helps keep them alive
1: basically. Yeah, yeah, well it can be considered that as the immune system of the hive, can't it? Or the bee the bee colony. Yes. The colony of bees.
2: Well, Aristotle called it. It was uh, translated as "defender of the city" uh, in in loose terms. So he he was he was looking at this sticky stuff, and he he loved it. So he knew a thing or two. So it does it does contain. So it's generally tree and plant resin or sap, um, but there's also these essential oils, which. Um, might be why we get quite relaxed as beekeepers. You know, if we've got the, all, you know, unless we've got the, the bees that have been SAS trained, you know, we've all had those hives, um, all those colonies that are, can be a bit naughty. Um, but generally, when we're around the bees, we get this lovely smell of essential oils so we can breathe it in and it's very, very good for respiratory, reported to be very good for respiratory ailments.
0: And how else might... Um how else might you might it be used um you know extracted from the hive and
2: so well it can be used it's very it's a hugely versatile product i mean i've used it um i have a habit of burning myself because i still don't have some feeling sometimes in my fingers you know so i get burnt a bit in the oven and what have you but it can be used topically in creams ointments tinctures soap shampoo it's actually a great antidote for a a bee sting so you can pop it on a bee sting I used to put um, propolis soap wash my back with propolis soap which would take off the edge of the pain from the bee stings so you can ingest it. Uh, you can have it as a powder or capsules. You can mix it with honey. Um, I, there are loads of products on the market. Uh, there's uh, mouthwash toothpaste. It's fantastic for gums. It has this way of adhering to wounds um, and, and the gums, almost like a, a plaster. So it puts a plaster over the skin and it protects underneath whilst it's it's healing the skin. There's also nasal spray. So um there've been studies done on MRSA of course that starts often in the top of the nose and throat spray so if you have a sore throat um and you can use it as a diffuser in, indoors there was a study done where it, uh, it, in Italy where um by t- uh, the the council in Turin actually who found that it had uh, reduced 70% airborne microbes uh, by using a uh, plugging uh capsules into a diffuser. And that product's on the market now. So there are a number of other products on the market uh, as well. Um, so, th- so that's that's a, a particularly versatile and good product to use. Now, to test it, you would put a little bit on your skin, uh, then maybe put a little bit on your lip before you ingest it, just to check that you, you, you're not allergic. So that's an, a way to do it.
0: Okay and uh, and there's 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 other products in that you discovered through your beekeeping that 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 uh, and your study of, of of bees that there are other products in the hive um can you tell us a bit about some of the other products that you've found
2: yeah so royal jelly well that's again that's an ancient ancient product and anyone who remembers barbara cartland used to swear by it for uh, beautifying her skin and i think it was it was first sort of identified in 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 text really modern day text in 1792 if that can be modern day um by a Swiss chap called Francois Huber now this is uh, you know what fascinates me about bees is they're pure alchemists and this royal jelly is exciting you know because it's it's created by the gland in the in in, in the worker bee a gland secretion in the worker bee now how does that happen how does this amazing substance just seem to happen it's, it's quite amazing and of course it's it's fed um to create create the queen bee um and uh and and she lives an awful long time as we know now, it's been found to be infection-fighting, immune immune system-stimulating. It's been shown also as a, a good substance for nerve transmission. So uh, there's been studies done on Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and that type of thing to help with nerve transition, uh, trans- transmission. Um And what's quite exciting, scientists have found this royal actin, as they call it, in royal jelly, which creates this self-renewal of stem cells in the queen bee. So they've also been looking at that as to how that could work for humans. And they recently found as well that the queen larva um, contains coenzyme Q10, which, of course, is constantly advertised on the television for face cream and uh, phospholipids. So we could say that it does um, help with cell renewal. It also has um, packed with vitamins and amino acids, uh, the 29 amino acids essential for life. So that's a, a, a most fascinating product as well, which um, can be used in a in a cream and ingested. Um, I would say that it doesn't taste terribly totally nice, <laughs> so, so you you might want to mix it with something. But you really want it uh, raw and a bit like good olive oil. You want it in a dark, uh, dark con- keep it in a dark container in the fridge. But to preserve it, a good Romanian at uh, one of my presentations said, just mix it with honey. And, of course, honey is a great preservative. So there you go. <laughs> you don't have to eat it straight out of the little queen cup or anything.
0: And honey itself, of course, contains uh, some sort of enzymes and, um, and and pollen within the honey. So um, does yeah. that vary a lot between what honeys you get? And...
2: I do know. I think that it, it, it depends on, on the forage. Um where the honeybees go to but it also depends on what the beekeeper does with it so essentially um, I I don't filter my honey raw honey for me is the best um, because all these products pollen in particular pollen is really important and um, all these bits of propolis you can get in in honey um, it's it's all present there and that's what you need um, in honey so honey is packed with um, vitamins from iron to zinc, potassium, calcium, uh, magnesium, the B vitamins, and so on. So it's a, a wonderful thing. Um, and, you know, the first prescription for honey was found on a Sumerian tablet, 3000 BC. So they were writing prescriptions for honey in what is modern-day Iraq, um, 3000 odd years ago. In fact, 3000 BC would be more than that, wouldn't it? Um, So often people talk about Manuka honey, uh, but studies have shown that actually honeydew honey, which uh, comes from the aphid, of course, collected from the aphid, has been equivalent to grade one Manuka honey. uh, And it has been seen, this honeydew honey um, has high antibacterial properties. It has a higher mineral
1: content, doesn't it, than most honey.
2: Yes um and uh, there was a study done in 2018 on Irish heather honey now this was interesting because this came from urban bees as opposed to rural bees and that was trinity college in dublin did that study and they found that this uh, Irish heather honey was comparable to manuka it was a mu- multifloral honey so um that there are alternatives and of course we import more manuka honey than they actually make, so <laughs> right. there is that. There is that little the honey, honey little, little glitch. Yeah, yeah the honey laundering. And
0: we also, I mean, a lot of <laughs> lot of the honey that we buy in, in in the shops is actually a mix anyway, of sort of filtered fil- filtered mix yeah. of honeys. From, so obviously, the old adage that you know buy your local honey, buy buy from, buy from your beekeeper yeah. still still stands. You know, pure honey.
1: Or even better, be- become the beekeeper <laughs> and, and and have have that immediate wonderful um you know thousands of year old relationship with with bees you know and and then you can be sure that that you know you you know the spirit with which you're treating them and and dealing with them because once something i suppose once something becomes a business does it slightly get corrupted by certain economic um aspects of, of a business i don't know but but i suppose uh you know, I am just imagining if i if I was a vegan and listening to this podcast, I might think, well, oh, hang on, I don't even eat honey why would how I would never have a um a bee sting me What about royal jelly doesn't that mean they have to kill queens or something you know so there there's something about um there's some, something I'd like to say about that is that uh one can view a colony of bees as a as a whole organism and to see and to see one bee uh as you know, So taking honey and which obviously the bees don't really want you to take it, do they? But you've given them the transaction, I suppose I'm trying to say the transaction is that you give them a good home and you protect them from pests and disease and and you protect them from the elements and you give them an optimum opportunity to thrive and be happy and healthy in exchange for some bee produce. And even if that is a bee, you know, for a bee sting or some royal jelly from queen cells that you might have, slightly artificially created a situation where they need to make a lot of green cells to harvest raw jelly. Uh, it's a bit like, you can see that a bit like a blood transfusion. So you're not um, depleting the colony in a, in a great sense. You're just taking uh, having that transaction and harvesting a, a little bit and, and not to their detriment, but you would only know and be sure that that the bees aren't over extracted from if you're doing it yourself or if you know the beekeeper or if you trust the people who are producing the apotherapy products
2: the phrase i've coined as well is vegans i've used uh, that you right. know we should think of being vegans rather than vegans uh, but it is important i think that um you know uh that y- you care for that i think the bees know when you care when you come um with kindness and calmness and they just know i i lifted off i had a lovely experience i'd lost a colony with the damp and i i Popped over to see the bees, and I opened up this because I this this hive, and there there was honey left in there, and and everything. And I opened it up, and. I thought, oh, they're going into scavenge. When I opened it up, they were all lovely and calm. And I thought, oh, I've I've got a little swarm has arrived in here. So that was lovely. But I should say that if people are thinking of beekeeping and they don't have land, so many people are desperate to have bees on their land, but they might be elderly or they might not know what to do. Um, you can contact your, your neighbours or local people and, and, and just... You know, ask them. Can I, in exchange for a little bit of honey, could I keep some bees on your land?
1: Wonderful. Bees are so good for us, and, and we can be so good for them. Isn't it great? And wherever there are bees, there is health. Uh, Pliny the Elder said, didn't he? And Jerry's just she's like an encyclopedia of apitherapy, isn't she? She knows so many great things. And uh, it was That's really right. lovely to speak to her.
0: Really lovely to speak to her. Yeah, she's a real she's a real sort of mine of information, and she's um. And it, I love, love the fact that it, she's come to uh, all this knowledge through. Well, uh, you know, unfortunately for her, uh, health issues. Um, you know, she must have had a terrible time going through, trying dif- various different solutions to to her ailments, um, and you know, finally, she's. Found something that she's really passionate about, and uh, and is spreading the word. And I, I think spreading the word is the key thing because, you know, these, as you said, Chris, I think these these things are rather sidelined by the mainstream medical profession. Uh, and there's got to be a lot of value in in uh, in these therapies. So much value, isn't there? And again,
1: uh, Pliny the Elder also came to Britain, and and he noted that the people lived here. To a hundred, hundred and twenty years old, he said. I don't know if, that, if that's a, a correct assessment, but he put it down to the drinking of mead. He said that we, we always had a, a, a bit of mead,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, to keep yeah. us healthy. Yeah, no, great. And you know, she talked about propolis as well. I mean, this prop- propolis has actually come up, up on these on these episodes quite a lot, and I've uh, I've been sampling some. And um, you know, about two or three years ago, I didn't know what propolis was um yeah so yeah. it's kind of a it's amazing stuff and it's it's just so full of obviously full of goodness and yeah. um i've been advocating it to other people as well you know i like the i like her idea you know we talked about it possibly people having allergies to it so you need to be a bit careful but she said put some on your lip um and then or, or on your skin first to, to check if you if you have yeah. some sort of reaction before you put you know actually stick it in your mouth and start chewing on it yeah
1: you know, you know. It's often beekeepers that develop an allergy as well. I know there are some beekeepers around who who have to wear gloves, you know, because they're allergic to propolis. Yeah. I don't know anyone that that has a really serious allergy to it, though. No. I don't think it's that kind of substance. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a it's, it's a miracle curative antibiotic. You know, in in a world where antibiotics are failing. And yep. organisms are now evolving to do their work and, and, and defeat antibiotics, propolis and, and all bee products. Actually, they're, they're complex substances. It's not just one single medicine that goes boom and kills that single thing. It's a complex medicine. So so the uh, viruses and diseases and bacteria can't uh, get the way around it. You know, they can't suddenly uh, evolve to sort of jump over the the propolis because it's complex yeah. and it's different and it has so many different sources as well that it, you know that it's, it's
0: it's a nature's way is always the best way isn't it absolutely <laughs> absolutely anyway so lots of great stuff to take out of that uh talk with uh jerry um we've got lots more um interviews coming up on future episodes of living being we've got uh nikki gammons from the bumblebee conservation trust um we've got david charles who's a beekeeper of many, many years experience and talking to us about uh, the history of his beekeeping um, going back um, decades. Um, And I should also point out, uh, do visit the website livingbeing.com. If you've got any questions on anything that comes up in any of these episodes, uh, do drop us a line. Um, Do contact us through the website. Um, Just uh, sometimes we, I don't know, it's difficult to say, isn't it, Chris, because sometimes do we get a bit tech uh, B tech, I call it. Well, uh,
1: yeah, I suppose when you and I are chatting, m- we might forget that folks might not know what we're talking about. But, yeah. but I think we, we're not really going into advanced uh, area glossary no. stuff, are we? You know, yeah. e- e- anything you can just Google. <laughs> this well, that's right. No, that's and, true. And Wikipedia will either give you the right answer or or um, or, or a false answer. As we've learnt through looking at apotherapy. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, indeed.
0: Anyway, thanks for listening to Living Being. Uh, We said earlier that uh, Jerry's written a book, The Secrets of Hope, the Honey Bee, uh, which is also accompanied by a lovely colouring book for children. And she kindly recorded a little excerpt of it about Nancy the nurse bee. And we'll leave you with that now. Do join us on the next episode. Bye. Cheerio, cheerio.
2: Hello. My name is Nancy, the nurse bee, as you can see. My secret is that from days 4 to 12, I am a house worker bee and I am studying for a degree. Medicine is my thing, specialising in bee stings. I have long pointy things on the top of my head called antennae. These help me feel and smell everything, including our offspring and a bee sting. I am very buzzy now, working in the hive to make our family thrive. I look after the baby girl bees like Eve, also the baby boy bees like Adam, whom you'll meet very soon. He also lives in our bee commune. Next I will graduate and become an attendance bee just like a Tara who tends the tiara.